Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Trenaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. We're looking through the lens of the latest UCLA Anderson forecast for the rest of 2020 through 2022, answering questions ranging from why is real estate booming to how are businesses responding to the economic strain. Today, I'm very happy to share with you the Anderson forecast, which is a pretty much world-renowned forecasting group, part of the Anderson School of Management at UCLA. Several days ago, based upon much data since the pandemic began, it became possible and is becoming more and more reliable to look at what the impact of the pandemic has been since certain permanent damage apparently has been done to our economy, as well as continuing efforts for the recovery. On an ongoing pandemic basis, the economy has really been battered And what do I mean by that? Well, some 32 million Americans are on unemployment. That includes state unemployment as well as the federal unemployment that has been intended to reach the independent contractors and gig economy workers. And many of the 32 million have no idea when or if they can go back to work. You wouldn't think conditions like these would lead to a rise in residential real estate, and yet the residential real estate industry is booming. What's going on? We're going to talk about major segments of the economy and focus on the California economy as well as the gig economy during this session, but we'll start with residential real estate. Zillow, a few days ago, highlighted the nationwide trend toward remote work brought on by social distancing concerns. They report about 70% of Americans are working from home at least some of the time, and all Americans are spending an average nine hours or more at home per day than they did before. And that means people have new priorities in where they want to live and how they want to live. For example, a big backyard and room for a home office is far more important these days than a short commute or proximity to a bustling downtown ruled. Some employees now planning to work from home permanently want to move to a different city or out of the city altogether to suburbs or to the country or perhaps to a different state. Zillow calls this a great reshuffling. With the exception in the large urban centers such as Manhattan and San Francisco particularly, demand outside of the metro areas is far outstripping supply. Home buyers want more space and to move into new areas while homeowners are hanging on to their homes amid pandemic-inspired uncertainty. That dynamic of home buyers wanting more space and homeowners hanging on to their homes is pushing home prices higher even in these overall economically troubled times. And I think it's important to keep in mind the segments of our workforce that have been impacted the most, and we're going to talk about that, but that generally is the lower income segment, and that is generally the renter segment also. Meanwhile, commercial real estate has taken a battering as employees continue to work remotely, and many employers are extending remote work arrangements indefinitely. In fact, UCLA has just last week extended remote work for sure until mid-August of 2021. It may be that that could be extended longer as it has been in the past, but we'll find out. 
Also, the outdoor retailer REI, which was scheduled to move into its newly built headquarters complex in Bellevue, Washington, uh, this summer, canceled those plans and announced it would sell the property instead. Rather than a single headquarters, the company will have multiple satellite headquarters and a new emphasis on remote work. I'm just giving you a few examples. Amazon is reportedly in talks to turn some of the defunct JCPenney and Sears mall stores into warehouses. And that's a little bit ironic because both retailers were influenced, some would say driven into bankruptcy in large part by Amazon. It's important to realize that the economic downturn has not fallen equally on all Americans, and those least able to shoulder the burden have been hardest hit. And more on that in a few minutes. After the projected third quarter increase in GDP, GDP still remains 4.5% below the fourth quarter of 2019, and that's as of the end of September, several days ago. If we go back to the 08-09 Great Recession, the negative 4.5% we are experiencing is larger than the negative 4% peak to trough of the 08-09 Great Recession. For us now, continued recovery will be much more arduous as more bankruptcies unfold day to day, and slack demand continues in sectors that require high human contact. Rising permanent layoffs in these high-human contact sectors result in more lengthy job searches, and the job searches themselves are becoming fewer and fewer. Employment in these sectors won't fully recover until consumers and businesses return to old habits, which won't be for a number of years per Anderson, if ever. The Federal Reserve is focusing not on a specific unemployment number as they used to, but on general labor market conditions, and this is an important distinction. The Fed has committed itself to addressing labor market inequality by focusing on the labor market conditions of specific groups of workers, not just the overall unemployment rate. Even as the unemployment rate has recovered over the past several months, it has done so more for white workers and males than for black workers and females. I can give you a little bit more specific information on that. And as of the end of August, actually August 20th, the unemployment rate, which peaked for black men at approximately 16%, this is the official unemployment rate. It's much higher in reality, but the official unemployment rate was 16% peaking in April. It has dropped a bit to 13.2%. Black women, it's very similar, from approximately 16% to 12.5%. Meanwhile, white men, the unemployment rate officially peaked at a little bit more than 12% in April and is reported to be down to 6.9%, while white women peaked at about 15% in April and uh, officially is down to 7.3%. And it's also well worth emphasizing that educational differences play an important role, regardless of race or uh, regardless of anything else, basically. But the unemployment rate by educational level peaked in April uh, just over 20% overall for individuals who have less than a high school education, and that has dropped to a bit under 13% last week. The high school educated workers 
Unemployment rate peaked at about 17%. It's dropped to just under 10%. And if we skip over to bachelor's degree and higher, the unemployment rate peaked at only 8% and is uh, reported at 5.3%. This is important. And I may, at the expense of being redundant, I'm going to bring up what we had brought up in the past couple of podcasts, and that is we have between 10 and 15 million workers for sure who are unemployed with low prospects of reemployment now. And uh, this segment is importantly made up of those in hospitality, in restaurants, and related areas, which I'll get into in a little bit more detail. But many of the individuals have a high school diploma or less than high school, and these individuals are also renters who are generally in trouble making their rent payments during the rent forbearance, which has ended or is ending. Overall, The Anderson forecast has been assuming that we receive another $1 trillion stimulus as President Trump is bound in Walter Reed Hospital today with a COVID-positive test. And as Congress is trying to work over the weekend, it would appear that a $1 trillion stimulus is kind of on the low end, and we may be agreeing on closer to $2 trillion. But when you listen to this podcast, that should be completed. It's important for the forecast that the stimulus be at least $1 trillion. And even with the $1 trillion, the recovery of the economy of the U.S., as well as a very significant recovery for the unemployed, is not expected to occur in less than the next two years. And it could be much longer than that. The stock market never has been known to reflect the economy day to day. It reflects expectations of a future economic condition. However, we pointed out before that a relatively small number of very large high-tech stocks and internet-related stocks account for the lion's share, if not all, of the increase in the stock indices over the past six months or so. And a further disaggregation of the stock market, looking at at stocks groups, very detailed stock groups, again, reiterates uh, that, that assumption and that finding that the economy and the stock market is basically being led by a concentrated number of large capital intensive technology companies. And the many labor-intensive technology sectors, I mentioned the sector of restaurants and entertainment to some degree, but many of the labor-intensive sectors, including certain types of retailing, traditional retailing, the marketing of goods and services that require higher human interaction, are substantially lagging, and they're expected to continue to lag. So we do have in the stock market a number of specific stocks that are related to home, home rehabilitation, home repair, enhancement of living conditions at home, obviously Home Depot, obviously Costco, Lowe's, a a number of companies, Amazon, uh, no doubt Amazon is a major leader in this area. So we know that there are substantial leaders, and these leaders are so large and have been growing so rapidly during the COVID period that they really have made up for the losses of many other stocks. And I'll just quickly name a few. 
Zoom since the 1st of January has increased 500 plus percent, Wayfair up over 200 percent, Peloton up to over 200 percent, Amazon 55 percent, Netflix 43 percent, Apple 41 percent, Grubhub 41 percent, Nintendo 41 percent, UPS even up 37 percent. Lululemon Casual Clothing up 24%, Microsoft up 24%, Home Depot up 24%, and the Standard & Poor's 500 during this period from January 2nd to September 21st was only up 1%. But these are these huge increases by the example companies I mentioned covered up large losses like Carnival Cruise losing 71%, Nordstrom losing 66%, Dave & Buster's down 61%, American Airlines down 56%, Simon Properties down 55%, and Simon Properties is announcing that they are buying large amounts of JCPenney assets, I think also Forever 21, so that to me they've concluded it's better to try to buy these assets and try to run them as lower sales maybe even marginal retail operations than to actually have these stores close in their malls. I don't think we've really seen this before where the major mall operators are becoming retailers. Boeing down 52%, Vornado, major commercial real estate owner down 48%, Six Flags down 48%, Marriott down 37%, AMC Theaters down 26%, Live Nation down 23%, Darden restaurants down 22% and so on. So the list of companies that have lost substantial value is really large. And the majority of companies in the various indices have had serious issues. However, that's being covered up by the stock market successes. And will this continue? I personally don't think so for the rest of the year, but we'll find out. To the extent that firms have large-scale efficiency and purchasing power over suppliers, they can offer low prices for the products and services they replace. And some of these same firms I mentioned have power over their supply chains, strong power. Amazon may be able to lower prices much easier than mom-and-pop retailers. Netflix can deliver family entertainment more cheaply than AMC theaters. Zoom can facilitate meetings at a lower cost compared to travel for in-person meetings. Peloton can deliver daily cycling classes at a lower cost than in cycling studios or health clubs. Nintendo can provide a less expensive alternative to Six Flags, theme parks, and even Dave & Buster's. So we have a new technology-driven economy, and that is long-lasting and will have a very long-lasting impact on jobs. Until COVID-19 has the same status of the annual flu or related illnesses, it will continue to make many of us wary of social reactions. And for that reason, it's not enough just to get a vaccine successfully through stage three trials. I'm inclined to think that wariness will persist until treatments are available that lower the severity of the illness, and that turns out to be more proven than assumed, and that's going to go well into the year 2021, if not longer, in my view. Getting COVID-19 off our backs could take a lot of time, and meanwhile, much damage has been done to companies and employment, generating AI and robotics and more efficient distribution and services. And this, in turn, is generating very much higher structural unemployment with many, many people on our workforce needing to be retrained. 
employment will remain below long-term trends for years. In addition to the nature of human contact at delivery, at points of delivery, we need to distinguish three categories. Essential purchases, avoidable purchases, and postponable purchases. Postponable means a delayed purchase and avoidable means a non-essential purchase without consequences of later purchases. These categories are going to be key for investors and they're going to be key for job hunters. And I'll give you some examples. For example, an essential face-to-face is grocery shopping and it may take a lot of time for grocery shopping to be replaced by face-to-face may not happen to a large extent, but as long as grocery shopping is essential and face-to-face, that will be an area which will continue to be quite viable. However, if we go into the postponable category of face-to-face, like clothes shopping, clothes shopping may be quite vulnerable over the next couple of years. We've already seen many basics purchased through Amazon and others, but postponable face-to-face like clothes shopping is going to be vulnerable for quite a while. We've seen also the category of avoidable. Avoidable face-to-face is restaurant meals, and that is likely to keep over half of the restaurants that were open at the end of last year from reopening. Over the long run, new restaurant concepts will come along. In the meantime, there will be a lot of people unemployed in that industry, which I mentioned before. There will be a lot of space available, which I mentioned before. It may be years before face-to-face restaurant meals become attractive to the majority of consumers, and that's kind of in the category of avoidable. And probably the category that is even more avoidable would be Uh, not only face-to-face, but crowds. Spectator sports involving large crowds. It may be years before Live Nation, for example. It may be years before the major sports events have anywhere near capacity attendance. Postponable crowds, we've, we've been seeing, and that's impacting us now. Also, weddings are an example of crowd events that are being postponed. We've spoken to wedding planners who maybe only have 5 to 10% of the business that they had at this time last year. These are not meant to be absolutes. They're really meant to generate thoughts. As our free course and as our podcasts are, we're really tending and trying to generate your personal thoughts, how you might personally mitigate some of the major trends that are taking place. I think at this point there's not a lot of question about what the major trends are. Some of them are very uncomfortable. Some of them relate to upscaling our workforce, re-education, repurposing our time, working in different ways. We now have six months plus of experience, and these trends are likely, for the next couple of years, not going to change that much. The Anderson forecast, in addition to looking at the very detailed jobs data and the very detailed consumer data, looks at recovery times from recessions, and they track uh, basically every business slowdown over the past 40 or 50 years, and they look at the number of months it requires from the time the slowdown becomes identified to when a full recovery in terms of either gross national product or in terms of full or total payroll employment. 
For example, in the 2008-2009 Great Recession, from the peak of the jobs through the drop and to a recovery took over six years, took over 72 months, actually closer to seven years. If we go back to the 2000 dot-com bust and the resulting economic slowdown, recession, the recovery in payrolls took about 48 months, about four years. And then if we go back into 1990, the recovery took uh, closer to 36 months or three years. Optimistically, with a trillion dollar additional stimulus, the Anderson forecast is anticipating that this recovery in terms of overall employment, official unemployment statistics to be back where we were back in February, March, will take three years or more. So the Anderson forecast is looking at, very optimistically, the end of 2022 or sometime in 2023. And, and this is the time frame where we really are figuring out that we're going to be living with a lot of the issues. During the time, the funding is in place for state unemployment benefits and for federal unemployment benefits. And, and the a consequence of these high levels of unemployment and the long amount of time to have a recovery in employment is unemployment compensation the budgets are just being exploded. What do I mean by that? Well, in California from March 14th until August 22nd, California workers received about $45 billion in state unemployment insurance benefits. Just for comparison, in all of 2019, the total unemployment insurance payments in California were only about $5 billion. So as of August 22nd, we're running nine times, and California had to borrow from the federal unemployment fund before, and they're having to borrow now, but the amounts are getting to be kind of staggering compared to history. In addition to the state unemployment, a very large amount of unemployment benefits are being paid by the federal government, and those are really intended to cover individuals who have lost their income due to COVID, but did not qualify for state unemployment. For example, independent contractors, gig workers particularly. And if we spend a few minutes on gig workers, just like our conventional economy, the gig worker economy is quite diverse. In Los Angeles, for example, we have 15,000 independent lawyers earning $92,000 a year on the average. That's in addition to the many thousands of attorneys who work for large corporations. We have 83,000 independent artists and writers earning $46,000 a year on the average. And we have 70,500 Uber Lyft drivers earning $22,100 on the average. What we are finding, particularly with the Uber Lyft drivers, and again, I'm really referring to the Anderson forecast. That this is beyond my view. This is the uh, result of their findings. They are suggesting that many of the ride-sharing workers uh, work part-time earning supplemental income, and very few are really full-time. Unlike the tech workers in the conventional economy who earn closer to $142,000 per year, gig workers in the professional, scientific, and technical sector in Los Angeles earned a modest $52,000 on the average and again, I, I would point out that a $142,000 salary working for a corporation would include substantial amounts of benefits. 
some cases perhaps stock options, restricted stock, benefits that go well beyond health care. The gig workers, a safe assumption is they need to provide their own health care. So the difference between the conventional economy earnings, and again, I'm looking at technology, $142,000, and the gig worker, $52,000, is much greater than that, actually. The takeaway uh, from the Anderson report is that in the past 20 or so years, we've seen in Los Angeles a rising trend of gig work, and the ratio of gig workers to payroll jobs has increased from about 19 in 2005 to over 24% in 2018. Another trend not a part of the Anderson study is that it was only a year or so ago that the full-time workers in Los Angeles equaled the number of full-time workers 20 years ago. So Los Angeles has gone through a decline in full-time workers, a major increase in gig workers, And over the past 20 years or so, the number of full-time workers before COVID regained the approximation of the amount of jobs that were in place full-time 20 years ago. So the economy itself has not been what I would call vibrant or really healthy. A partial response to that has been many individuals working on part-time jobs. Given a problem, though, the part-time jobs generally don't pay anywhere near what the full-time jobs do that have, in addition, significant benefits. This may be the case when we look at some of the payroll versus household surveys that we conclude that individuals are working at two or three part-time jobs and they are wanting full-time jobs but can't find them. This has been the case for years. So we have many millions of people across the United States underemployed. Another indication, again, which is not a part of the Anderson forecast, is that income and wealth concentration has been occurring well over the past 20, 30, 40 years to the point of where a a very small percentage of people and families control the largest percentage of income and the largest percentage of wealth since the uh, 1920s, which was, at the time, thought to be a pretty incredible level. And income distribution over the following 70 or 80 years seemed to be proceeding. But in recent decades, we have generated, again, issues in a small number of people and families, for whatever the reasons, controlling, again, record numbers of assets, wealth, and income. I only mention this, we are not directly involved in politics. We focus on the economics, but we do realize that a large difference in income and wealth distribution generates a lot of dissatisfaction in the 1920s and 30s. We've mentioned it generated a lot of riots. These generally tended to be food riots. They tended to be riots of individuals who wanted government jobs. They wanted government support. They wanted packages. They wanted to work. They wanted to make money. Now we have many riots and we have a lot of civil issues. It may well be coming from different directions than in the 1920s or 30s. Some of it may be funded by some similar groups, but there is a commonality in terms of a lot of dissatisfaction about job creation and the competitiveness for what I would call adequate or high-paying jobs. We at UCLA and UCLA Extension can't possibly solve all the issues, but what we can do is we can offer programs that upgrade skills and present what I would call lifetime learning opportunities to continue with career development 
and lifestyle improvement. With that, I would mention again that we do have a free course that we just started, which goes into more detail on the panics, recessions, and recoveries in our history. That free course can be accessed at www.uclaextension.edu. The name of the course is the 2020 Panic. What's next? Navigating panics, recessions, and recoveries. We really want to help. We really want to point out issues. We want to really help you prepare for the next three or four months. We really expect more challenges and a difficult environment, no matter who wins the election. We certainly wish the candidates the best of health, and whoever wins is going to have a lot of issues to deal with. Unfortunately, many of these issues are economic issues that are going to take a long time to work out. In the meantime, stay healthy, really be well, and and take care of you and your family. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornadin. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.